Mm. Oh, good morning. Sorry to keep you waiting. It's one of those mornings, you know what I mean? Oh, can I get you something, something to drink? No? Okay. Uh, well, let's get right to it then, shall we? Um, I don't know if this is necessary, but uh, let me explain to you what it is I do for a living. I, uh, I'm a career counselor. Uh, that means not only do I talk to you about, um, well, possible career path, but also your, your, your current um, educational track. Now, as you know, I, uh, I had a very, very long and interesting conversation with your, your mother last week about your current school. And uh, now she understands you like that school, that you've settled into it, and um, that uh, you've made some friends there and some friendships. But she's just she's concerned that it's just not the right school for you. Now, I, I know you don't have to tell me that, that parents, moms and dads, they, they worry when the kids are finally out of the house and at school. But I got to tell you something. I, I, I went over, looked at the school. I uh, took a real good hard look at it, compared it to some other schools. And I got to tell you, I think she may be onto something. No, just, just, just hear me out here. Now, let's say you do indeed decide to continue your plan to enter the medical field. Well, your current school, um, KU, well, that, that, that offers everything that I think you're going to need to start. But I, I have to tell you, I think something's missing. I, uh, I think you're, you're missing that, um, I don't know, that, that environment, you know, that, that environment that, that, that helps you take what you're learning and transfer that knowledge to other people. Look, let me be frank with you. I think you need to be in a school and around other students who help you see how what you've learned becomes a part of the rest of your life. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Oh, that's great. That's good. That's good. Well, look, I, oh my gosh, I'm glad that we had a chance to have this talk and, uh, how about a hug? Oh, that a girl. Now, let's go see if mom has breakfast ready. Well, some career days are more personal than others. We're talking tonight, this last... Uh, Ministry of Education uh, sermon is about the transmission of Christianity. You know, we we started off with the competence um, how to, that God expects us to know our stuff. If we know our stuff, if we're competent, both in the faith and in our field, then we will have an impact. And then we went to contextualization. It's not only good to be competent, it's good to be able to contextualize. In other words, put the truth in the way that others will understand it. Understand them before you even speak the things of God. Know where, know where they're coming from. Know their mind. Have a relationship with them. And then we talked last week about the comprehensiveness of God. All truth is God's truth. 
that, that, that it is at least as reasonable to believe in God as it is not to believe in God. And, and the more you study, the more you're going to track back to Him. But this week, we're going to talk about the continuation of the faith. We've gone from the competence to the contextualization to the comprehensiveness and now to the continuation. This is very important. The transmission of Christianity. Paul said this to his dear son in the ministry, Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's read 1 and 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Notice he gets right to the heart, right to his heart, and right to their relationship. My son. He wasn't the physical son of Paul, but he was his spiritual son. Then he says these, this. And these things which you have heard from me. This is the memory verse of the week. These things which you have heard from me. Now let's stop right there. We're going to spend a whole night on one verse. It was very important for Paul to make sure that Timothy had the instruction that he needed. Had the facts that he needed. It was very important that he had the basic knowledge. Somebody, uh, I think it was uh, Dave uh, Bucher that goes here, reminded me of Deming's three levels of knowledge. Um, um, Deming, for those of you in management, you know he was the guy who really was the American cause of the Japanese Revolution. Uh, Really taught them tremendous things about management, about quality, uh, uh, the quality revolution. And he said, there is a basic knowledge in which you know the stuff. There is a thorough knowledge in which you can do the stuff. (laughs) And then there is a profound knowledge where you can help others do the stuff. Those are three. And and the first thing that, that, that Paul was saying to his son Timothy is, Timothy, you know what? This is not just about knowing your stuff. This is not just about having the, 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 the concepts down. Jesus said this when, when he, when he talked in the Great Commission. It wasn't just about, it just, just wasn't for those who believed in God. It says this in, in Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. You know what a disciple is? Disciple is a learner, a permanent learner. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Baptism is the, the initiatory completion of the faith. It is the, the means by which we not only show the grace that God has given us, but partake of the grace which God has given us. It says... In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So it's not just enough to know the concepts. Just enough to be, to be competent or be able to, to, to pass one concept on, uh, to someone else. Not enough. It's not enough to have the uniform. I mean, you remember, remember when you used to make a team and you got the uniform? That was a great day, wasn't it? That was a great day. Sure, got, got the uniform. But I remember as an eighth grader getting the uniform 
And we went through football season, pretty good at football. Then I started trying for the basketball team. Well, I made the team, but we came from a very poor school, and, and, and we had enough uniforms for everybody. We didn't have enough warm-up jackets for everybody. So, so I, I, was, I was not good enough. I was good enough to get a uniform, wasn't good enough to get a warm-up jacket, you know, which was a little embarrassing. I mean, in eighth grade, you kind of, oh, man, I'm the only one. There's three of us on a warm-up jacket. Well, all of that was still okay because I still kind of had the uniform. See, I still was on the team. And, and everybody felt pretty good about being on the team. Until one, one time, I cannot remember who, what, this, what school this was, but eighth grade basketball, so you know the level of basketball, and this other team who we had never heard of, first season on the schedule, came in, and it was Harlem Globetrotter time. I mean, we were, we were, we were doing everything. I mean, we were doing good if we were, could make four layups in the warm-ups in a row. And this team came, and they were, and it, none of this lobbing the ball, you know, arc on the ball. There was never an arc on their ball. It was right. And we just thought, we're not ready. We're not ready. Let me tell you, if you think that by believing in Jesus Christ, you're ready to live a Christian life, you're wrong. You know why? Because the other side's organized. The other side's organized. That's why they call it warfare. The other side, the other side has a strategy. He's not operating by accident. He, he's, he's for chaos, but he's not for sloppiness. It says, as a matter of fact, Paul says, Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 2.11. It says, in order that no advantage may be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. The other side is organized. And if we are to be effective, we had better practice at this thing. We had better have a way to get organized. We better have a game plan. We better have an offense. We better have a defense. We better have formations that make us an effective team. Well, how do you do that? Well, the early church did it in several ways. First of all, the early church made sure that they had a systematic way of teaching and learning. Systematic meaning both every day and the same thing over and over again. If you turn with Acts, with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 45, we get a glimpse of the original church. And you know Americans see this original church and they always go, wasn't it nice? They met together, they loved each other, they gave to each other. You're missing, you're missing the, the rig, the rigor of this thing. The, 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 the training, uh, that is like a team training here. It says, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now I'll tell you in a minute why, how those two go together. And to the breaking of bread and to, the, 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 the word is literally the prayers. Those, those the prayers that they say over and over again because they knew them so well. And because those prayers were burned into their minds so that there might never be a doubt what the content of Christianity was. And then it talks about everyone keep, kept feeling a sense of awe and many signs and wonders and all those who believed were together and had all things in common and so on and so forth. But there is, there is a devotion here that is absolutely 
not only content-oriented, but very practical. They meet every day. It's not, you, if you wouldn't have a very good sports team if you met once a week to practice, would you? No, you meet every day. And sometimes two to three times a day. Because that's what it takes to be efficient. And that's what the early church did. They had some practice, some content, some rehearsal every day. Now, I have left over from seminary <laughs> um, some books that I, that I really treasure. One of them is A History of Christianity, and it has in it some of the very earliest documents uh, uh, of, of Christianity. These documents were written almost during the time that the New Testament was written. And they were written by the fathers of the church. You see, Jesus' basic interest was not building the church. His basic interest was seeing the coming of the kingdom of God. That was his basic interest. But when the kingdom kept getting delayed, they kept saying, okay, now how can we live like we're in the kingdom while we still got to be in the world? That was the question. And so in order to do that, there was a, uh, a, 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 it says here, in the church's record, there emerged a common preoccupation with the cure of souls, cura anamarum, and the school of souls, scola anamarum. It says that before colleges and universities ever talked about academics, it, they, they, they were about the practice of the faith in the world. And then it talked about the daily work and fiery prophesying were combined. The charisma and the diaconate, the, 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 the proclamation and the serving were combined. Uh, because it was a rough awakening for the church that, that didn't understand what it would take to live the faith in the world. Very rude awakening. Um, and so they, they devised these ways to, these, these, these methods to daily pass on what people would need, it says, for daily worship and meeting economic and social pressures and ethical demands. And one of those instruments was the didache. Didache is, is the, is the Greek word for teaching. That's the same word that we just read in Acts. Only this was written around the year, maybe around 100 um, um, A.D., just into the second century A.D., and it was a compilation of the early church fathers' teaching. Very practical, very practical. As a matter of fact, let me, let me read you some things out of it. It says, I love this, if you can bear the Lord's full yoke, you will be perfect. But if you cannot, do what you can. I like that. Very practical. It says... Uh, Pray as follows, our Father in heaven. It gives the Lord's Prayer. And then it says, you should pray this way three times a day. You see the timing on this? You see the regularity? It says, if anyone is holy, talks about communion, let him come. If not, let him repent. Very simple stuff. Very practical stuff. Um, and, and, and then it goes on and it talks about electing the, the uh, overseers and deacons and so on and so forth. What, I, what I'm getting at here is they had a way of, of regularly inputting and training Christianity in the, watch this, 
adults of the day and then passing it to the kids of the day so that everybody could re, so that everybody could be trained now when we talk about christian schooling we usually think about okay how can we get our kids in a christian atmosphere or teach them christian content we go too fast there and we go too narrowly there when scripture talked about christian schooling it talked about how can we practice the things of the faith that have to do with learning with worship and with ministry every day. Now, if you, now, anybody who's alert here knows where I'm going with this, but I'll get there in a minute. We overestimate just speaking the concepts of Christianity to people and thinking they get it. I, I, it, it just still wipes me out how when somebody accepts Christ, everybody goes, job done. That is the... That is the that your job just started, just started, because the world will snatch that seed as fast as it can. The important thing, uh, let me give you an example here. Judith Harris has just written a very controversial book. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure it's out yet. I've read an, uh, an abstract of it. Uh, I think it's reviewed even in this week's uh, Newsweek or Time magazine. But it, it's the title of the book. I wrote the title down somewhere. Let me, let me see if I can get it. Title of the book is The Nurture Assumption, Why Kids Turn Out Like They Do. The Nurture Assumption, Why Kids Turn Out Like They Do. Now, let me tell you what's so controversial about it. She says that parents have very little to do with the way kids turn out. They have, they, they, we have overestimated parents' influence and underestimated peer group influence. Now, I disagree, and, and, there, and this is why it's so controversial. She, she really underplays this thing. Part of what she's dealing with is she had, she had a biological child that was perfect, and they adopted a child who was rebellious. And so she's kind of trying to say, well, they both came up in the same household, so how'd they turn out so different? So it must be all genetic. Well, that's a little bit too simple. Um, that's especially too simple for you who have biological children, and one of them's perfect, and one of them's a boogerhead. I mean, that's just, just way too simple, you know? Just too simple. So she, she goes way too far down the genetic predisposition track. But the very valuable thing that she has to teach everyone is that, well, there's actually two things. First of all, there are a number of you parents who have done as good as you can. And when your kids blow it, you just, you just beat yourselves all silly thinking, ah, it's all my fault. Let me tell you something. No, it's not. If you're doing as good as you can, someday that kid's got to make a decision on his own or her own. And that is not something you can control. Now, you can control more than you do. I'm telling you, I see parents who say, well, he's hanging around with, gee, just godless kids are just awful, but there's nothing like it. Yes, there is something you can do. You can say, no, you can't hang out with godless kids. No. We're not going to put you in that atmosphere. When you're 21, you want to go hang out with godless kids, you can hang out. But when you're here, you can't do that. So, so, and, and, and by the way, if you, if you can't do that on your own, say, Joel won't let me let you hang out with godless kids. <laughs> Pin it on me. I'll take it. I'll take it. We used to always tell our boys, you know, if you, if you look afraid, you look like you're pinned on me. 
We'll t- we're, we're glad to take the blame. But having said that, if you really are doing your stuff, there comes times in life when the kids just make wrong decisions, flat out, and that's their stuff. That's not your stuff, okay? So you got you got to just quit beating yourself up. However, this is the very this is a very uh, uh, a very important uh, side of this. We we must understand how how important a kid's peer group is. How important it is that that as they're growing up, they are transmitted the eternal values somehow that their peer group may not have. And somehow we don't, we don't lessen our transmission. Somehow we build up around them peers that will feed these eternal values in them. You see, kids change all the time. Somebody sent me a thing this week. I bet many of you got this. Uh, talking about the kids who entered college this year. And since we had one, we kind of took note of it. And it was fascinating to read this thing. You know, the kids that entered college this year, um, um, when, if you say to them, you sound like a broken record, they have no idea what you're talking about because they've never played a record. They never have. They, the, the CDs came out the year they were born. If you talk about Vietnam, Vietnam is as far back as World War II to them. It's ancient history. They don't remember Reagan. They don't, they don't even remember the Gulf War. They, 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 they never lived in a time when they didn't have a remote control. They, they, most of them have never seen a black and white TV. Really. They, they never had, there was never a time when there wasn't, there wasn't, uh, in their lives when there wasn't cable. I mean, we, we live in a totally different world. So how do we transmit to these, to these young people the eternal values? when they have grown up in a world so different than the one we grew up in? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. (laughs) Because the early church figured it out, and so have we. Who's got the curriculum with them right now? Who's Who's got one of the curriculums? Nope, that's the sermon outline. Curriculum, curriculum, curriculum. There you go. Good. Thank you. I want to say this. This is our Didache. This is our daily teaching. What we're going for in the distributed church is to have a daily program. This should start in October. By the way, we can use some help with this if anyone can help us. But we're starting in October to go with a daily broadcast that will teach people about the content of Christianity, about worship of Christianity, and about the ministry of Christianity every day where they are. And then they can go to their computer and download this written material. This is the modern version of the Didache. And it's so important because if we can get this information pervasive enough, it gives you a whole nother idea 
about what Christianity really is. It really fits into the rest of your life. It's not just a concept. You're surrounded by it. I had, that's why it says, you know, these things that you have heard from me in the presence of so many witnesses. That's a key point because they were surrounded by people of the same value, of the same outlook, of the same faith. And that has an effect. One of the reasons I got weepy during communion is because I uh, had the funeral this week. had two funerals of people that I dearly loved. Both of them were some of the neatest, both of them were two of the neatest people I've ever, ever known. And I tell you, when I consider where they are, I am so happy for them. When I understand what God has done for us, it is just so neat. And to be surrounded by people who resemble that. I mean, they resembled where they are now before they ever got there. They were a part of who we are. And, and, and it reminded me, you know, I never, I'm not old. I was born, believe it or not, post-World War II. And, and, but I, but I had parents who, and one of the, one of the guy the, of the funeral today, this old, this old military guy got in. Some of the softest people in the world are old soldiers, boy. They got just as soft hearts. And he started talking about this comrade of his who was, who had died. And it reminded, took me back to the days when I went to the Legion. I went to the Legion with my parents. They were old soldiers and they, you know, we went up there all the time and, and, uh, and, 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 and you'd hear all of these old soldiers at the bar, you know, nursing their beers and, and, and telling the same stories over and 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 over again. Now, I never was in the military, but I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. And let me tell you where I got my training. I got it at the Legion. I got it by hearing all those old stories from those people who had World War II as a part of their lives. And by being around them, World War II became a part of my life. All of the principles of loyalty to your buddies, all of the principles of courage and bravery, all of the principles of sacrificing for your country were put into me by those soldiers. I was around them and I heard them and it got into my nature. Can you imagine what would happen to both old Christians and young Christians if they heard every day the stories of the Lord? If that was a part of their environment? We can help that. We can provide this, this, this unified teaching. Now, in the schools... We, we've, we've, we've got to have a strategy for the schools. The schools, it's not a matter of public or, or Christian schools or home schools. I think we send missionaries to public school if they're strong enough. I think I, I bless the Christian schools. Bless your hearts and bless the home schools. What a job they do. And I, and I, and I really, I, I gotta, uh, let me just, I know I'm a little late, but let me just read this to you. Where's the thing I got in there? Somebody said, oh, Norm, Norm gave me this. This is so cute. It's, it's, this is for professional educators. You might be in education if, you might be in education if your last nerve is a distant memory. 
You might be in education if you worry about getting sued for self-esteem violations. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You, might, you might be in education if students make you feel old, but you couldn't be paid to be that age again. You might be in education if you encourage you, your husband by telling, he, telling him he's a good helper. You might be in education if you believe extremely annoying should be a box in box on report cards. <laughs> you might be in education if when your husband takes you to a dance, you chaperone. <laughs> you might be in education if when you read the newspaper, you find yourself grading the articles. You might be in education if at the movies, you stand in the back to watch for audience mis misbehavior. <laughs> well, when we talk about education, right away we go to the system of schooling. For us, that's not the main issue. The main issue is how do we create these groups of peers in the, in the school, that's what FCA and, 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 uh, Student Venture and, and, uh, and, and, and a lot of these, uh, Young Life are, are really helping with in the public schools. How to recreate these in the Christian schools. There's, by the way, there's a lot of non-Christians that go to Christian schools. And, and how do we, how do we help the homeschoolers really create this? Well, that's what, that's what we're really going for. And that's really going to be the essence of how we transmit. If we can figure this one out, and we believe we got a good track on it, if we can, if we can, can go out into everyday life and plant the truths of Christianity and then form support groups, form peer groups that keep talking about the Lord over and over again, that's going to be the thing that transmits Christianity. When I, when I'm at RDV Sports Complex this, this week, and I hope some of you guys do come, just, it's just gonna last an hour. And, and it's gonna be a smaller group, so I'll be able to meet some of you finally. <laughs> I wanna just shake your hand and talk to you. But if, if we talk about, okay, what about Christianity in the workplace? How can we, how can, how can you sense there's other Christians? How can you encourage there's other Christians? That's an important issue. That's a very important issue. So, so here we go. We really, really want to delineate simple but profound theology. We're going to sing a song that has simple but profound theology to close with tonight. But the essence of this is if we don't partake every day, if it's not a part of our lives, we're not going to hand it on to our children. It's, it's, it's not that our kids don't want it. C.S. Lewis wrote a, an essay years ago, and it's still a valid essay. He said this, that they did a survey in England just after World War II, and the survey said this, that the reason that the Christians, or that there were very few Christians in the school was very simple. They didn't teach it. Because, and, and they said whenever it was presented and whenever it was encouraged, most of the students accepted it immediately. He said, now, we don't have to go into big, long uh, theories about why our culture isn't Christian. Yeah, it, it, Occam's razor says if you got a simple explanation that explains it, that's it. He said, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that if, that if students couldn't, couldn't add up certain numbers and get the correct sum, 
that it was because uh, quantum mechanics had had brought about an atmosphere of distrust in in certain mathematics in certainty in the certainty of mathematics. You wouldn't you wouldn't say that well TV's ruining uh, our our uh, our children. You just say no, they haven't been taught math. They've been taught how to add. And the reason that our society is in the shape that it is because we're not teaching Christianity. We're not, we're not explaining it. We're not there every day. We're not, we're not, we're not inputting into people's lives. That's our ministry. And through our didache, through our curriculum, through being there again and again every day, we're going to change the complexion of the society. Pray with me. God help us. We know that you want us to train people every day for the victory that comes with Jesus Christ. We know you want every funeral to be as joyous as the two that took place this week. And we know, Lord God, that you have given us the means to make that tremendous difference. Lord, help us in a very simple way to help everybody answer the question, not only with their mind, but with their life. Who is God? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.